At SmartTrack, we've seen a growing need for organizations to measure individual driving performance. Today on SmartTrack Conversations, Matt Perkins and I are joined by Jenny Seddon, commercial advisor at Plunkett, a New Zealand charity that provides support services for the health and well-being of children under five. She's a huge proponent of driver safety. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Maybe you can take a couple of minutes just to introduce yourself, where you are, what you do, and and what driver safety uh, means to you. Right, okay. Well, I look after the fleet in Plunkett. Uh, I guess by New Zealand standards, it's probably on the medium to large scale with about 530-odd vehicles at the moment. In a past life, I have actively involved in driver safety programs, uh, also work quite closely uh, with the AA, have been um, on the SAD, which is Students Against Dangerous Driving uh, Board of Trustees, uh, am a AA Wellington District Council member, so very much involved in the driver safety side of things and, and interested and in see what happens in that space. So let's kick things off, Jenny. How long have you been working in fleet management? Probably about 12 years, 13 years. I imagine that over that time, you've likely seen the whole spectrum of good and not so good driving, right? Oh, no, I've seen it all. In fact, when I first came um, into the organisation, there wasn't really a a driver safety programme and our accidents were being underreported. And so it became quite a shock to us Uh, when our insurance company virtually doubled our premiums. So uh, we had to find out why. And after uncovering quite a bit of um, the fact that we we weren't being given the right information, we knew that we had to do something about it. Wow. I imagine that would certainly have been a shock to uh, to discover. So why don't we start with a general overview of driver safety? This might sound like an obvious question, but um, why do you see driver safety as an important area for organisations to tackle? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, we want our staff to be safe. We want them to go home safe, but we also want them to come to work, don't we, and and, uh, and stay at work and turn up to work. Uh, it causes all sorts of problems if we don't have staff on deck. So, you know, it's two ways. So we, we do want them to be at work and we want them to be at home safe as well. A, a good safety culture, and it's not just about driving, also reinforces you know, that we actually care about their their health and well-being. Uh, And, you know, more on the transactional side, we know uh, the cost of accidents, both hidden and actual, is significant. Uh, And a lot of study has been put into that area. And there are are actually some Australian studies that tell us that uh, a crash, both hidden and actual cost, can be anywhere between four and 36 times the cost of the accident. So our average cost of an accident is $1,800 for repair. Uh, and then if you think about the downtime, the administration, legal costs, insurance costs, all of those sorts of things, uh, it starts to add up. Uh, and the other thing is, is brand reputation. Our, our vehicles are highly branded, so you know people know who we are. And the other thing is, the social media now makes it very easy uh, for people to complain, and they can put it on any social media platform. And we don't necessarily know about it, uh, and we have to respond to that as well. So, brand reputation is probably uh, becoming more and more critical with the easy access to those social media platforms and and 
you know, complaints. We don't want to have any, and we don't want to be on social media for the wrong reasons. So some really interesting um, angles of approach there from from a driver behaviour and safety perspective. There, um, the one I'm I'm really caught on is is just the cost of the accidents and 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 that multiplying effect. Because uh, I mean I know I've talked about a, a number of times across our blogs of the cost of an accident being significantly more, and I think I've got some statistics of it being around 16000 Australian dollars once you add in all of those extras being the average cost of an accident. Once you start do, doing the accounting for replacement vehicles or higher vehicles in the meantime, the reduction in staff productivity is really impactful in an organisation. Is it something that you guys have, have started or you have started thinking about more later in the piece or is it something that you've brought to Plunkett and the organizations you've got you've worked at as a as a new way of thinking uh, so we certainly uh, when we introduced the uh, driver safety program and wrote the business case for it because there is a cost associated uh, with introducing a program uh, that was part of uh, the reasons why we should be doing it is because of the, the actual cost. Uh, safety of our workforce is very important. Uh, we, we've been quite lucky in the fact that, you know, we haven't had any serious crashes uh, and our drivers are, are mainly having manoeuvring accidents. But, you know, that's been very lucky for us. And if we think about Plunkett and what we do, um, we're going into, you know, uh, unknown territory, people's driveways, you know, we don't always know. Uh, we have to be very careful about that. There's children, there's animals, there's families. Uh, so, you know, the, the the real driver is about the safety, but the actual cost makes it hard not to introduce something when you, when you think about what that means for Plunkett. Yeah, I think that's a really important takeaway is that obviously driver safety and just the safety of people in fleets is vitally important, but there is these holistic costs and other associated roll-on effects from driver safety that really do need to be accounted for. Mm, That's right. So driver safety is a pretty big topic. People listening might not fully realise all the different aspects that it can actually cover. Jenny, could you perhaps dive into some of the more specific areas of driver safety? So, um, you know, some of the things that affect our, our driver safety or, you know, and make us have, have more accidents or crashes. Uh, distraction, you know, we, we all hear about distraction. It's one of the probably the most underreported reasons why we, we have an accident. Uh, and often uh, not reported either. Uh, when I think about the nature of our business, we can be easily distracted, and that is because we are going into all sorts of environments, dealing with all sorts of situations, you know, with with families. And to come back out to your vehicle and, and have to go on to your next appointment and, you know, refocus back onto the driving and what you have to do to be safe uh, can be a challenge for some. Uh, and then there's the added pressure of actually getting to appointments on time. Uh, that can uh, cause us to perhaps maybe do things uh, a little bit differently than what we should and not drive as safely as we should. 
speeding, uh, I think we all talk about speeding and, and that's what might cause us to, spe to speed. But if we think speeding alone doesn't necessarily or isn't necessarily the cause of the accident, but it certainly makes a difference to the outcome if you do have an accident. Uh, so if we think about uh, that distraction when you're coming out of your home visiting and then you're rushing to get to the appointment and then you're speeding, a recipe for disaster. Uh, driver fatigue is probably another one, although our drivers do make regular stops. And so the risk of fatigue is less for us and not necessarily driving those long distances. Uh, but it's it's the external factors that you don't know about. So you really have to rely on your drivers to know when they are fatigued. So it might be the fact that they've had a rubbish night's sleep. But, you know, there's all of those factors that you have no control of. So you really have to raise awareness about fatigue and uh, make sure that they are in the right frame of mind and healthy for driving. And I guess that's, that's the really humanising aspect of a fleet, isn't it? That you've got to account for the fact that people are individuals outside of an organisation. They have lives and you don't want to set a precedence where you're forcing people into a situation where they feel they need to do the job or do something in order to complete their role when it's unsafe to do so. Yes, absolutely. Um, have you got some examples of how you're mitigating some of these situations or, or, or programs, not necessarily at Plunkett, but in your careers experience around how you try to reframe these issues so that they're no longer an issue? Mm. So that so that is a little bit of a hard one because this is about information and education to your drivers. I always talk about the fact that actually it's about attitude rather than skill that makes you a good driver or a safe driver. Uh, and all of these uh, pieces of information about those things that can affect how you work and what you're doing and increase your risk on the road needs to be top of mind and they need to be reminded constantly or as often and frequently as you can, uh, especially that, uh, so, you know, we have resources and we talk about uh, this type of thing in meetings and, you know, any, any opportunity that we can just to elevate that awareness and remind them um, of, of the things that will affect them on the road. So um, it sounds like data is clearly an enabler of you understanding where there's potential problem points. Um, but just as much of that is is clearly the drivers themselves and, and having the right attitude. It, uh, other than discussions that you have, is there any kind of programs or in, any kind of actions that you take as a, as a fleet manager to help kind of promote that uh, behaviour and promote that sort of um, attitude? Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of tools that you need in your kit. Um, and, you know, there's no there's no one thing that will, uh, you know, improve your driver safety. So a lot of different things that you can do. Uh, the, the, the hardest thing is engagement of your drivers uh, and for them to actually understand why it is important. Uh, so some of the things that you need to do is actually get them engaged for starters. Without getting them engaged up front, then anything else that you do from that doesn't necessarily have any impact. 
And I think we talked a, a little bit about technology there. Uh, we are just reviewing what we do at the moment, but the um, telematics, and this is, I think, probably going to become more important to us than anything else. And feedback that we have received when we engage our drivers to say, you know, what can what what do you think you can do or, or what recommendations or feedback do you have about how we can make our driver safety program work? Uh, the key thing is reward and reward is being able to actually measure how your drivers are performing and to celebrate that as well when when you know when they're doing things well now we haven't been able to do that without telematics telematics has enabled us to do that so reward is very important um, and I think it's to, to, to get people on board and engaged and I think from there you have a an easier journey but there's lots of things that you can do the communication so it's not just about uh, communicating with drivers about you know actual the driver safety program. It's about, you know, regular communications about driver safety tips, maybe some quizzes, you know, uh, about driver safety, you know, tips about communications and about winter driving, everything like that. So you've just got to keep it moving. I think the only thing that you need to be careful of is when you are looking at all that data, uh, reward is great because you can measure it, but when you are looking at data and looking at maybe your riskier drivers, you really have to make sure you're looking at a pattern over time because one-off events don't necessarily indicate that there is risk with that driver. Just to follow up to that, these days at any one time, there might be multiple devices or applications competing for an individual's attention you know, it can create a lot of noise. Do you find that it's a challenge to cut through all of that noise and engage and deliver a message on driver safety to your staff? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, there, there are so many emails going out and we've got a workforce uh, that have really, you know, only been onboarded with, you know, technology in the last seven to eight years. Um, and they're also, you know, frontline and, and going into having a look at your intranet or reading the, the number of emails that are piling up, you know, that they're going to look at the, the things that are relevant to them. So, uh, uh, you know, you've still got to do it that way because you've got to make sure you've got plenty of mediums that you can communicate with them. And some will prefer other mediums than others. Uh, but I don't think that you can go past face-to-face and having those discussions within teams. That, that even for when you're dealing one-to-one -one with drivers, if there are issues, there is nothing uh, that works better uh, than those face-to-face -face communications and, you know, being upfront, having the difficult conversations, but also having the good conversations as well. So driver safety does need to be uh, led from the top down. We, would, we expect our leaders and our influencers in the organisation to role model safe driving. Uh, if they don't role model it, it's pretty hard for them to talk to, you know, their staff and their co-workers about it. So you've raised a few really interesting um, pieces of commentary in there, and one that really pricked my ears up was carrot and stick and, and, and identifying patterns of behaviour as a, 
opposed to one-off events. Are you able to tell me a bit more about how you kind of look at that and address that and consider your thresholds within what's a pattern and, and what's one-off situations? We have used tools in the past, in the past that actually anal- analyse uh, accidents and incidents, infringements and, and crashes as they occur and, and then have a look at that and then dig deeper into the type of accidents or crashes or events that that person is having and, and look at the appropriate tools. Uh, with the uh, what what we would really like to see is with the telematics, uh, you get driver behaviour patterns and p- pick them up before those more serious events happen. So that's what we're looking for. So we're looking at uh, you know over a period of time, speeding is one. It's always an indicator uh, that if you've got somebody that's regular speed, a regular speeder, it's, they are likely to be more of a risk taker. Uh, but combining that with what you know about the driver, what their history is, gives us the information that we need uh, to work with them more closely to, you know, to, and have an agreed action plan, whether, you know, that just might be them looking at ways that they can uh, drive more safely or whether it's actually an intervention like, like, training, on-road training or defensive driving courses or something like that. Um, I think one of the key things um, to make sure you are successful is actually is acknowledging those uh, incidents when they occur. So uh, when we first started out with our driver safety programme, we made a point of acknowledging every speeding ticket and every crash or insurance claim that happened. Uh, now we've got a little bit more because we've got the telematics data, which we didn't have back then. And so we can now overlay that information uh, and have a more holistic view of, of a driver or even organisational risk as well. Uh, but actually acknowledging uh, every event that happens is important. Uh, and obviously if there's a lot of events, then you need to do something more uh, with the driver. From that, do you then take a look at the concept of gamification and looking at ways in which to have staff kind of self-encouraging and managing their their behaviour and, and improvements in behaviour from a particular benchmark? We haven't got into that as, as far as that yet. I've got to say the... Uh, because we use pool booking, uh, the driver information is only just starting to come uh, through to us. I, I think that, you know, we have to, you know, you have to have faith and trust in your staff. Uh, if you give them all the tools that they need to be a better driver and all the information that they need, then there is some reliance on them to be able to manage themselves, and we would expect that. So setting the expectations is fairly key as well. Um, so, oh, sorry, Jenny. Yeah. Um, no, no, that's right. Is part of that, therefore, presenting that information to drivers in, in a dashboard or some way in which those those staff members can actually see their own behaviour and, and behaviour yes. scores? Yeah, so so what, what would happen, I, I know that there's all different ways of, of handling this and uh, 
but when we have those one-on-one conversations with, with the drivers who might have had an event, uh, you know, we actually, you know, we can't assume that they are actually have purposefully, um, you know, done what they have done. Uh, and so we actually drill down and, and we, from the telematic system, we can drill down and we can look where the event occurred and, and maybe the factors that, that might be contributing to that event. Uh, you know, some of the speeding, it may not be actually a problem at all. Uh, and I say that not lightly, but, you know, changing speed zones and things like that. So when you start working with your driver and, and them looking at, at what has happened, if they had their own driver dashboard, that would be fantastic. Uh, how we encourage them to look at it uh, and to be interested and engaged in it would be something that I'd have to think about, but it would have to be easily accessible and, and part of their everyday, what they do with technology for that to happen. Do you think that there's, I mean, just sort of talking generally, do you think there's an element of driver safety goes into the too hard basket that, say, organisations don't address it because they don't know where to start? Yeah, I think... um, you know, you've got to you've got to spend the time and the money. There is an investment in driver safety because you can only go so so far without it. Uh, and you know, sometimes your driver safety initiatives um, at the beginning can have a real impact, and and it really does make a difference. But if you don't continually, uh, you know, evaluate the program that you have got going, um, and and keep it you know, keep on refreshing it and maintaining relevancy, uh, it can easily start going south anyway. I don't think it's hard to start small. So there might be things in the too hard basket, but it doesn't hurt starting small. And that could be, you know, with key messages coming out, a good communication strategy, um, you know, inviting their feedback. So asking, asking them how they think that they could be better on the road. Um, you know, it, it does require innovative thinking to keep it to keep it interesting and to engage staff. So you know, there is that. Uh, but I don't I don't think it's hard to just start it off and start, you know, the mindset going that you know we're thinking about being safe. If you are in an organisation that already has a safety culture you are more likely to be able to introduce these things a lot more easily. The staff who who are working under a safe culture already are more than likely to be more accepting uh, of a driver safety programme. If your culture's not so good, uh, they could see it as punitive. Uh, They probably do the tick boxing and don't report the accidents, uh, you know. So, and that's that's one of the biggest... A cost to an organisation to uh, accidents going unreported. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Culture is a really vital thing within organisations to influence those those behaviours and that 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 change that you want to see. Have you got any tips or suggestions on on how to kind of influence that positive culture that that you talk about there? I mean, it's not just one person. Is it? Driver safety is one aspect. Uh, but I do think that it is important, again, that you are 
you know, acknowledging the, the excellence, but also, uh, you know, rewarding staff and for good driving behaviour. I think that is becoming more key now that we can do it. Uh, and, you know, I know that some organisations might make it competitive. I don't know if we would be ready to, to be that. You know, they the different teams might do something local. But I think there's lots of different ways that you can get that engagement. Uh, it just, require, just knowing where you are at with safety uh, and what the journey is for each organisation, it, it may be a longer journey for some than others. But you've really got to sell it and staff need to understand why you are doing this. They need to know what is the benefit for them. And if you can't get those messages across, uh, then it's pretty hard to change that culture. And changing culture for us has taken a long time. Do you think that there's a way to shift it away from that punitive aspect and more towards that positive, more holistic driver behaviour? Yeah, I think that, you know, you've got to keep staff informed about how you're doing. You know, how are we doing out on the road? Uh, and, you know, as again, I keep on saying it, celebrate those things. You know, the, you know, it, it might be just a tea, morning tea or something really very simple, uh, you know, to get, um, to, to take that punitive uh, part of it away. Look, 10% of our drivers cause 90% of the accidents. So really when you're thinking about it, you want all of those others to be engaged in safety and feeling good about it and feeling good about what they're doing. And the 10%, you know, you might have to deal with a bit differently to get them to that point. But um, I think overall, as long as you've got your, you know, your leaders and influencers, influencers engaged uh, you know, in those those different triggers that make make it work for staff and make them understand, then you know you you're heading in the right direction. I guess that goes back to your comments of humanising behaviour earlier on as well. If you're talking about that 90% of your good drivers, they are going to occasionally have a speeding event. Punishing them for that one-off isn't the right way to go about it. And, and that's where you're looking at that holistic trend of is it a regular thing or was it a once-off? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it can actually um, spoil the whole program if that's the way you handle it. Uh, and then they will see it as being punitive and, you know, all the wrong things that you don't want to happen. Um, I just wanted to touch on something that you mentioned earlier. You talked about starting small and it sounded like you were sort of alluding to the the idea of change management and managing expectations. If you were working at an organisation that was just starting out on this journey, what would be some of the key things that you would you would focus on to get started? Well, I'd have to firstly understand where we were currently at. I mean, what is the actual risk and how are we measuring that risk? Uh, you know, is the information that, that we are getting correct and is that enough for us to be able to start thinking of ways that we can develop a driver safety program? Uh, you know, I think engagement of staff through the process uh, is important. They need to be, to, to feel they're part of it, they need to be engaged early on. 
you don't even need to have a driver safety in place to start talking about a program in place to start talking about driver safety uh, and just getting their feedback. But I can tell you when we did um, you know, go on our journey. It started off with, you know, presentations and, you know, what was happening out there, but it was all bad news, really. Um, but when we asked uh, the question about, you know, well, how do you think um, we could make a really good drive safety program that will help us on our journey to being safe on the road, the number one feedback was reward an acknowledgement that they were doing, that they were driving well, you know, so acknowledging good behaviour. And that was the the main feedback that we got. Um, there is obviously this behavioural, you know, we, we do put our drivers through online training, behavioural training based type courses, uh, and we do get feedback from that um, to the likes that, you know, we, we the online trading made us think about how we drive or how badly they drive and and more conscious of what they do on a daily basis. But you've got to sort of keep on putting them through those courses every so often so, you know, so they remember that. Uh, but, yeah, so that, that was the biggest uh, feedback from, from uh, our frontline staff was actually tell us about how well we're doing. We know that reputational risk is an aspect of it. Um, but do you think part of this incentive of, of getting driver behaviour as an integrated program also to keep the higher-ups from breathing down your back when, when there's negative publicity or, or negative feedback from the community coming back to the organisation about someone speeding, someone causing an accident, something like that, which is not necessarily having an, a, a large-scale impact on the organisation but is causing that that breathing down the back of your neck as a fleet manager? Fortunately, we don't behave in that way, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it is one of the top risks if you're looking at, at a risk analysis, driving is, is the top one. Uh, and we certainly have to show that we have got strategies in place uh, to make sure that our drivers are safe on the road. And... You know, I, I, you know, hand on heart, uh, we, you can always do better, and we are currently reviewing what we do. But, you know, we are looking at it, we are aware of it, we have the tools in place to make uh, things happen, and you know, we we have faith in our in our leadership uh, through, you know, through the chain of command to actually manage driver safety. And overall, uh, when we first introduced our driver safety program, uh, you know, we could we could measure how well it did, and that really was about the fact that, you know, liable crashes just one thing dropped by over fifteen percent when we started. It was huge, uh, and we weren't doing it that well. We we're not we weren't doing it as well as as what we can do now. Now it did drop, and then it started to creep up again because I tell you what, it got a little bit stale. So we had to do things differently, and it was put on pause for a while. And, and while we, uh, you know, work through what what can happen, but we really need to you know put some energy into uh, looking at ways of reinvigorating the program and, and as I say we've now got the telematics which is going to help us make it more positive than what it ever has been.
that's that's incredible to hear just how much of a financial shift can occur from some small behavioural changes across the fleet. And I know you guys are working very hard to continually improve upon where you are um, month on month, year on year. So it's a really exciting story to hear that you guys are, have made such an impact from the very get-go and, and are continuing to strive to improve beyond that. Yes, it's hard, but we are going to do it. <laughs> Jenny, there's um, some really interesting uh, pieces of safety that aren't necessarily training or even software related. Um, so there's some things around choosing vehicles that are going to be safer and potentially even training staff members on how to use vehicles so that they are able to use them safely because new safety features bring a whole new range of things that staff members mightn't know about. Um, I know, for example, lane keep assist, um, your uh, adaptive cruise control and all of that has some real safety benefits, but it also can have a measure of um, risk if drivers aren't uh, trained on them. How, how do you take into account fleet vehicle choice and, and and training on the use of those fleet vehicles as part of your driver safety program. Yeah, and, and it's more important than what you realise, I think, to uh, choosing the right vehicle. Uh, you know, so we do have some uh, different vehicles in the fleet. We have mobile clinics, which are big vans that uh, we put drivers through specific training and we get, um, you know, we get information back from that whether they need to do anything more. Uh, you know, we have four-wheel drives in the fleet because our staff do go on unsealed road and on farms and things like that. So they need to know how to uh, properly manage themselves in those vehicles when they're driving them. Actually, we, we're a bit light on that. We haven't done that very well. Uh, so we need to look at how well we're training that. And then, of course, there's all those new safety features. Uh, so one of the things that uh, we are looking at doing, we have our own um, learning management system, is actually developing a, a little module that, that looks at our cars, um, you know, developing our, our leaders so that they can do an induction on the car, you know, look at the blind spots, all the different features, and obviously have that information readily available for them um, so that they can do that. Uh, so a, a bit of, you know, learning management system, so you know how to set up your cab and what the vehicle features are, and then actually a physical um, introduction to the vehicle as well, because the blind spots are are very important as far as knowing what they are, and they're different for every car and for every driver. So we've covered quite a lot of ground today on the topic of driver safety. It's been really eye-opening. I've certainly learned a lot, and I'm sure that Matt has too. But unfortunately, we have to start wrapping things up. Jenny, before we go, did you have any final thoughts about what we've discussed today on Smart Track Conversations? Yeah, I know I talked a lot about the positive culture, but also don't be... Don't be scared to have those tough discussions as well. Uh, and I know that, you know, as a manager, you've got a fantastic performing staff member in all other areas, uh, and but their driving <laughs> behaviour is pretty bad. Uh, you've still got to talk to them about it. And it's the way you do it and, and you know, what the outcomes of those conversations are that really matter. Yeah, so don't be too scared to have those hard conversations. 
so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do a bit of a summary here, Jenny, and then I, I do really appreciate all your time today. Um, so you, you've covered some really interesting aspects um, throughout this discussion. I, I think some of the really key highlights for me are, are, are culture, vehicle choice, um, positive reinforcement of, of driver behaviour, so not necessarily um, having the stick but working with the carrot instead around organisations and humanising driver behaviour to account for the fact that it is 90% of your fleet that is going to be overall very positive and it's about taking into account that there are going to be instances where staff might accidentally have gone over a speed limit for a few seconds here or there and it's not about approaching those on the one-off scenarios but instead looking at that trend of driver behavior um, so i really wanted to thank you for for sharing all of those takeaways because i think it's going to be incredibly valuable for our uh, wider listeners to take back to their fleets and, and start looking at how to apply and um, i wanted to thank you for your time in sharing all of that with us Thank you very much. I'm glad to be of help. Well, that's a wrap. Jenny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest on the Smart Track Conversations. Uh, we've certainly learned a lot. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to have a chat or learn more about driver safety, you can get in touch with us via our website, which is www.smarttrack.com. You've been listening to Smart Track Conversations. My name is Nick, and we'll catch you next time.